Well, good morning, everybody. Nikki Burnett here, Taste Life Nutrition. This is Taste Life Nutrition Radio, streaming live on KUHSDenver.com, where in most cases, the goal is to uh, bring to you, you know, amazing information, you know, evidence-based uh, information that can help to guide you that hopefully is maybe some new information, maybe some expanded information. Maybe it can help to help you to find what it is that you need to help build So instead number one up to twenty two. Okay, thank you. It's only been three years, three half years that <laughs> that we've been doing this and it seems that I am still messing it up. I get totally distracted about what I'm talking about. And so that's just the way it goes. So anyway, um, the goal is to bring you information that hopefully will help you to, um, you know, continue to build on this really amazing, beautiful life that we all have to live. And we all, um, we all have jobs to do, right? We all are here to be uh, of service and to give and to love and to build and to grow and to learn and to educate and all of the beautiful things that we have to do. So, um, we are supposed to have a guest on today. Um, I will tell you though that she is in Mexico. And so, what happens sometimes it, when they're out of the country, especially I think in Mexico, is we can have internet issues. And so I'm not really sure if she's gonna join us. And so this is um, <laughs> this is a test for me, a test for me to see how well I can wing it. <laughs> so here we go. And if she joins us then even better um, because I was really excited about this show. Uh, but if it's not today, then it will be uh, on another show coming up. We'll definitely have her on. So. Anyway, um, as always though, we start the show with gratitude. Gratitude can change the world. I truly believe that. Um, and I'm always working on it myself. Uh, you know, we all have our journeys in life um, and we all are going through stuff to, that can make, make it sometimes difficult to be grateful, but there's always, always something to be grateful for. Um, I know even when sometimes I'm a little down that I am amazingly blessed, amazingly blessed. And so I, I think for today, what I, <laughs> it's gonna maybe sound a little shallow. It's, it's really not because uh, to me, it's just really beautiful. But um, a, a story that you may have heard, but it's been a couple of years now, is for my 15th wedding anniversary, my husband gave me um, a lifetime dream, like literally a lifetime dream. This is what I have, since I was a little girl, not, I've never been like a car person, but I always wanted a Corvette. And for my 15th anniversary, he bought me a 1970 little red Corvette Stingray. So it's T-Tops, it's amazing, her name's Ruby. And so, you know, we've had so much weather here, uh, you know, Colorado, it's supposed to, it's, it's almost always sunny, it's beautiful, it's supposed to be warm. And we've had cool weather and a lot of rain and a lot of hail. So I've not been able to drive her very much. Um, yes, she's a she, but I've not been able to drive her very much. And, um, and I've certainly not been able to drive her with the T-tops on. So today we drove here to the studio in Ruby with T-tops off. Uh, and 
you know, it's the wind, it's the beautiful sky, it's the weather, it's being in, you know, my dream car. It's all of the things that that are really, really beautiful. And, and what I love about having this hops off is just being able to see the sky, you know, and I know that this is everywhere, but, but here I see the blue sky and the green trees and this amazing, beautiful um, synergy between the two. And I, and I love it so much and it makes me happy and the wind in my face makes me happy. Crazy windblown hair makes me really happy. Um, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing and I'm just really, really grateful for the ability to drive down the road with the T-tops off and be in God's creation. Uh, in my dream car <laughs> so <laughs> it's fun it's a little bit silly but uh, it's it's a good time so um, I think what I think what we're gonna do uh, and again hopefully do I will be able to join us and, and maybe she won't but if you know me at all you know that I'm a little bit of a nerd um, I didn't know I was a nerd growing up actually um, I knew that I liked science but I didn't know that I would be able to dig into it as much as I can now when it comes to to working with people and seeing the body talk to us, seeing the body respond. And we do that a lot through doing lab testing. We call it functional lab testing because the labs are a little bit different in in the functional world than they are in the conventional world. Um, and I, you know, they work really well together, they can. Uh, so if I'm running a lab, uh, if I'm running labs on a client, I'm gonna do your conventional blood chemistry panel, right? So it's a, CV, um, a, a comprehensive metabolic panel with CBC plus differential, right? Or with differential. And so we, we look at these and I'll tell you that in most cases when I'm running this blood chemistry lab uh, or blood chemistry geez, can't even talk blood chemistry panel on my clients it usually is quite a bit more com uh, comprehensive than what is typically run uh, at a conventional medical office why um, I just want to see more stuff you know so there are a lot of times when you know there are just basics that doctors want to see to give some good information and I think that's great but in my mind, I want to look at an entire thyroid panel. Um, and when I say that, you know, in conventional medicine, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, they'll run one, two, three, maybe four panels, sometimes antibodies, usually not. And, you know, autoimmune conditions can get missed that way if, not, if we're not running antibodies. And um, where the dysfunction is happening can, can be missed. And so when I say that, you know, we did a whole uh, uh, thyroid, um, show a couple of weeks ago, so I'm not going to get too deep into this in, in particular, but if we're not looking at all of the thyroid, if we're not looking at as much of it as we can, then what we're going to end up doing is missing if it's actually a pituitary issue, or is it a liver issue, or is it a gut issue, is it a conversion issue, what is, what is actually going on with the thyroid that's creating the problem as opposed to, well, your TSH is elevated, which means you ha you are, you know, low thyroid and we need to put you on medication. What we always wanna ask, and I'm gonna say it a million times and a million times more, always ask why. Why is your thyroid not functioning properly? It's not because of lack of uh, Synthroid, right? Now, it may be due to lack of certain uh, thyroid hormones, but we gotta understand if there's dysfunction in the pituitary gland, it's gonna affect the thyroid, and you need to see that by running all the right panels. 
if there's liver dysfunction, if there's GI dysfunction, if there is, you know, adrenal dysfunction, if there are other hormonal imbalances, all of these things have the ability, ability to affect the thyroid. And then what happens, as they say a lot, is right, it's that kind of that downward spiral, spiral. All of these different things affect each other and they just keep affecting each other and just goes down, 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 down. So it can be it can be really frustrating. And so in order to fully understand the thyroid, we need to fully understand all of the panels. <clears throat> I'm sorry, all the markers. So then beyond that, we want to look at things like homocysteine. There have been multiple occasions when I've requested homocysteine and a doctor says, no, this, this patient, client to me, patient to the doctor, is too young, we don't need to run homocysteine. So um, I was, <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story that's a little off topic, but it is about homocysteine. If you've seen my Instagram page, which I'm not obviously very good at, um, <laughs> then you might have seen that I have a, a post on there that says homocysteine, not just another inflammatory marker or cardiovascular inflammatory marker. And so I had uh, a meeting with a digital media specialist and she was like, I don't even know what that means. Why'd you put that up there? And I'm like, I don't know, because I think it's cool because homocysteine can give us a lot of information, which you can, <laughs> but I've got to figure out a better way of, of explaining homocysteine, I guess. Anyway, so maybe that's why we should talk about it a little bit here because it is very, very important to a lot of different um, aspects of the body. So homocysteine is an inflammatory marker. Uh, but it's also a natural part of the metabolic pathways that happen. So homocysteine, if everything's functioning properly, it goes up the pathway, all the enzymes start to catalyze, and you have all your nutrients that are working properly, and it goes down the pathway. What happens when things aren't functioning properly is it gets, it stays up here in the pathway and doesn't have the ability to go continue on down the pathway. So it becomes elevated. And so when we have then elevated homocysteine, Yes, we look at it as a cardiovascular marker, inflammatory marker, and it's problematic. But it's also a, uh, a neurological inflammatory marker. It can lead to cognitive dysfunction. It is also a big issue in fertility, right? So, and that was the whole point of this post that I sucked at <laughs> was homocysteine is all of these things. We all need to check them, check it all the time. It is dynamic like the rest of the body is dynamic, but we have to know where our homocysteine levels are in order to understand the body and what's going on. And if we're, if we have elevated homocysteine, it can affect pregnancy, it can affect the baby, it can affect the child as the child ages, which will impact generations to come. So homocysteine is a big deal. And it must be checked. I don't care what your age is, you gotta check it. And so knowing that the lab ranges of homocysteine showed, I think it's over 13 is elevated. Over seven is elevated. I wanna see homocysteine at seven, maybe six, eight's pushing it. And the data shows uh, that over 11 is 100% chance of cognitive decline. So it's, in most cases, it's fairly easy to, uh, to, to bring into balance, to bring down, to allow the pathways to function pop properly just by getting your body the nutrients that it needs. Now, is there oxidative stress? That can keep homocysteine levels elevated, sure. So we need to address that as well. So again, going back to understanding the body and why we run these panels, why we look at um, inflammatory markers to help, us, to help guide us as to, okay, if you're inflamed, 
why. It goes back to asking why. Always dig into why. Don't settle for a because, or don't settle for because you have this disease or because you have this condition. Why do you have the condition? Keep digging, keep understanding, keep going as deep as you can. And I'll tell you that as a practitioner, I'm still learning to go deeper. I think that I've gone as deep as I can. I go to a conference or to continuing education and I learn that there's another layer and I learn that there's another layer. So understanding that there are so many layers and the body is so beautifully complex that you know sometimes we need help. Sometimes I need help, right? I need help whether it's help with myself or help with uh, clients. You know, I whether it's co-managing clients or I'm consulting with other practitioners or other clinicians on clients, help is a good thing. Um, so reaching out to find why is really, really important. And so another inflammatory marker that we look at is CRP. Um, and CRP, again, goes back to, you'll, you'll find it, you know, uh, most, most doctors will run it uh, in the cardiology office because it is a systemic cardiovascular marker. It's, it's called C-reactive protein. We, when we test it, it's high, it's HS, high sensitivity C-reactive protein. And of course, if it's elevated, you got to, you, you want, you're concerned. Yes, it's a cardiovascular marker, but it can be elevated for lots of reasons, right? If you, have, if you have infection, your CRP can be elevated. If you have, uh, you know, mycotoxin exposure, if you have, you know, uh, other types of environmental toxicants, those things will create uh, or can create elevated CRP. So we, we want to know what the markers are so then we know how to ask why. We want to know how to dig in to understand what's going on in the body. You know, we can look at labs and we can get an idea of are there uh, food sensitivities, is there adrenal dysfunction, is there, um, you know, pancreatic dysfunction or low hydrochloric acid. These things can be really important to look at, and when we're doing a, 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 a nice, really comprehensive, comprehensive metabolic panel, we start to put pieces of the puzzle together. So quickly on that, you know, when we're looking at, when we're looking at lab ranges, which can change from lab to lab, which is really frustrating, but when we're looking at lab ranges, they're very general lab ranges. They're not necessarily optimal for each person. So we look at lab ranges and when we see that, a that, that it's out of range, whether it's, it's too low or it's too high, when we look at it, we look at it as more pathogenic, right? It's, it is problematic and so we wanna understand the why. But if we take it and we look at it within functional ranges, they tend to be, for lack of a better word, a little more narrow. And so, red flags come up a little more often than they would when we're looking outside of your typical lab range. And so, if we look at functional ranges and we start seeing these other red flags come up, we again, we can start to put pieces of the puzzle together. So, we may see this red flag that's not, it's out of functional range, but it's not out of lab range. And we think, okay, so this is here, and then we have this one over here, and this one over here, and we start to put them together. Right, and so I can I can uh, share with, with you, you know, just a little bit about myself. You know, I did my own thyroid panel two months ago or whatever it was. I looked at it; it looked beautiful according to all my lab, my, my general lab ranges. But when I looked at my functional lab ranges, 
it was weak. So it was weak in, in that it was moving toward underconverting, which is, you know, can be problematic, right? It can lead to symptoms of hypothyroid. Even if it's not truly hypothyroid, it can lead to symptoms of it. Why does it happen? Usually because of stress. So um, understanding the why behind it is important as well. So we can dig into, okay, what is it that I need to do to start mitigating my stress? Because I also looked at my adrenals and my adrenals were way out of whack. So, you know, again, um, if we move now, if we move out of a comprehensive metabolic panel and, and, and into something else like a, a, a hormone panel and a thyroid panel, and we start to see again, we, we have other panels where we have the red flags coming up and we can start putting them together. So me, for me specifically, my thyroid was, was wimpy, for lack of a better word. My adrenals are way overworking and they're really pissed off. And so we start putting pieces of the puzzle together. Um, and I work really, I work pretty hard at meditation and prayer but I guess it's not hard enough and I work too much and there are a lot of the things that go into that. So I'm um, going into um, understanding all the areas and then how to support. So now I understand due to my, my thyroid panel, my hormone panel, that I have to work on my liver because I w I'm not clearing xenoestrogens. Um, we've talked about xenoestrogens a million times, but xenoestrogens are estrogen mimickers that bind really tightly to estrogen receptor sites in our body and it doesn't allow our our natural innate estrogen to do its job so it's it's bound and then we end up having all of these you know crazy hormone swings and the inability to detoxify properly and so that's what I what we're finding for me is I'm not detoxifying xenoestrogens properly it's crazy too because for those of you who are out there watching this, you eat well, right? You eat organic. You're eating grass-fed. You're 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 not putting the pesticides and the herbicides in your yard. You clean your house with vinegar. These are all the things that I do. Um, I am a, I'm pretty clean. Certainly not perfect, but I never put pesticides and herbicides in my yard. I always use vinegar or or essential oils. Side note, um, you can get uh, food grade orange oil that's in bottles like this big and use it for everything. It's amazing. It's not terribly expensive. It's not like the little tiny little, um, you know, doTERRA or Young Living essential oils that are crazy expensive. They're great, don't get me wrong, but this particular orange, orange oil, it's this big. Use it in your laundry, use it to clean your house, use it to kill bugs, use it in your garden. It's amazing. And so that's what I use. I use it all the time. So when when my labs come back to me showing that I'm not clearing my estrogens properly because the 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 my detoxification is not working properly because of elevated xenoestrogens, you're like, what's the problem? And what am I doing wrong? Well, sometimes there are things that we can't. Um, I, that we can't control, right? People in my neighborhood are spraying pesticides all the time. I'm sure of it. There are some really, really beautiful yards in my neighborhood. And when I see yards without weeds, I'm quite certain that pesticides are being used. 
they are so incredibly toxic. And the thing is, too, is, uh, you know, we take our dogs, we walk them around the block, we're letting them in everybody's yard. What's it doing? You know, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it, you know, it's a little bit, you know, can, can, uh, what's my word? Doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, it, it, you might get mad at me. That's what I was, that's what I'm thinking. And it's okay if you do, because it doesn't really matter. Um, I mean, I don't want anybody mad at me, but I need you to understand the toxicity of these, uh, these pesticides and herbicides that you put in your yard just to make them look pretty, right? You can go out, you can pull your weeds. I've, there's a, oh, I wish I could find it. I didn't think about it, but there's a, a weed puller uh, that my friend told me about that, you know, it's, it's long and it actually pulls out dandelions by the root, which is really hard to do. Dandelions are hard to pull by the root. But anyway, you can pull them out by the root and then, you know, put a little vinegar on them. They shouldn't come back. So think about things that you can do because when you're putting these things in your yard, you're not impacting you only. You're impacting everybody else. You're not just killing weeds. You're not just killing bugs. You're killing people's microbiomes. You're, you're, you're creating a toxic load on people. Um, for speci specifically for me, it looks like it's, it's dioxin. So it's not just about glyphosate, which is Roundup. It's about all of these pesticides and herbicides, no matter what it is, if it's a chemical, it's like, like these, they're pretty freaking toxic, right? And so I've had to take a step back and, and now I've got to support my adrenals, support my thyroid, support my liver, support my brain, um, and all of these things to help get my body back into balance because as healthy as I am, things just get out of balance. We have to, and, and that's why labs are so great because I could feel it, but what is it, but, but what is it from and what's happening? And that's why it's so important to, to, to look on these, look at these lab results because it's literally our bodies talking to us. It's giving us a lot of information that our body's trying to tell us. So we can feel things, or maybe we don't feel them and we don't know. And we then can go, can, can look at it and say, okay, this is where it is. We, need, we now need to maybe check out this, 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 and this, but at least we now have a direction instead of guessing, right? It's the test, don't guess. Uh, and it's, I think it's, it's one of the most important things that we can do. We can look at panels that look at environmental toxicants. We can look at panels that look at mycotoxin exposure. Um, and we can look at panels that look at heavy metals. Um, Gosh, so many places I could go with these. So I think one of the things is um, mycotoxins, which is mold, right? We always hear about black mold. Black mold is, it's not just nasty, but it's disruptive. It's, and you know, potentially deadly, right? It can create all kinds of nastiness in the body and it doesn't just go away. So we live in an area, <laughs> until this year anyway, where everything's pretty dry. And know that even if you live in an area that's dry, that we have the potential of mycotoxin exposure. If you have a leak in your house, if you have, you know, whatever it is, if there's a place that just doesn't dry out, you can have mycotoxin exposure. And you can have two people in the same house that are exposed to mycotoxins, one reacts and one doesn't react. Why? It's epigenetics. It's basically, it's, you know, how we're made. You know, we have epigenetic variants that make us more 
predisposed to autoimmune conditions. They make us more predisposed to mycotoxin exposures. They make us makes us more predisposed to um, the inability to convert vitamin D from the sun, things like that. We can look at all of these really cool things. It can help us understand if we um, can utilize saturated fat or not, or if it's uh, if we are a high protein or a low protein or a high fat or a low fat. You know, looking at epigenetic variants is like fascinating. Um, it's not diagnostic, it's not the end all be all, but it can give us so much information that again, we're taking all of this information and we're putting it together and we're starting to, to, to find out, you know, get a clear picture of things. Um, and so I wanna touch a little bit on heavy metals because I think heavy metal exposures are really, I think, I know heavy metal exposures are really problematic. We're talking about metals, we're, we're talking lead, we're talking mercury, we're talking fluoride, um, fluoride and metal, it's a chemical. Anyway, it's all of it, right? It's, it's all of it is, can be problematic. Even zinc, you know, we have, we talked about this a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago. Zinc now is being put in um, sunscreens but it's a nano zinc and so you know i typically will tell people if you think you need sunscreen we're not going to talk about this today we talked about it a couple weeks ago so if you're interested go look at that one it's 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 you know a lot of really good information about the sun and sunscreen but um what they're you know i always tell people put you know get the one that's got minerals in it not the chemicals that are that are super problematic and don't do the job like we think they do but we have, you know, things that like things like zinc oxide. Well, now we have nano zinc. This can be toxic. So it, it's it's a it's a, a mineral, but I think that just the, it's, it's nano. So these nano minerals, na nano chemicals, nano nutrients. I think because they're so small, for uh, for some people, maybe for a lot of people, have the potential of being really toxic. I think they can be problematic as well. So what I want you to understand though about heavy metal testing is it's really hard. And I say this because metals are eliminated via the skin, you know, via sweat, via the saliva, urine, stool, blood, hair. So they all come out in different ways and in different amounts through different areas of the body. And it makes it really hard to have a really true understanding of the heavy metal burden that you might be experiencing. So we can do testing on all of this, but, and we can even do testing, so we can do stool testing and urine testing and hair testing and blood testing and all of these different testings on heavy metals and probably get a pretty clear picture, but sure is gonna cost a hell, hell of a lot of money, which is, you know, I mean, you know, sometimes I wish I was just a lab rat because that would be cool to just run all these labs on people and see what's going on, but not. And, you know, labs can be, uh, they have potential for some being kind of expensive. So we can, we can, you know, there's a, there's a panel that I'll run. It's called the Total Tox, and it is heavy metals, mycotoxins, and environmental toxicants. And it is, when it comes to the metal piece of it, it can show us, it can give us a picture it's just not the whole picture in most cases. There is a company called Quicksilver Scientific who does what's called a mercury tri-test. And it's pretty complete, but it's only looking at mercury. So they call it the tri-test because you have, to, you have to have blood, blood, urine, and hair, 
which is the, the tri of the tri test, right? Those three things put together to get a really clear view of the impact of mercury on the body and it's looking at organic and inorganic and, and the levels and all of the things and so it helps us to understand if there is exposure is it organic or inorganic is it through your food or is it through um, you know the metals in your teeth right which is super toxic um, so having so that way you can have a clear picture of where it's coming from there are those with uh, specific variants um, that predispose them to Alzheimer's disease and that variant doesn't allow those of us, I'm one of those people, those of us who, um, to, um, man, more scam calls. I get more scam calls, it's amazing. Anyway, <laughs> but the this ApoE, it's called apolipoprotein E, doesn't give us the, we lack the ability to properly detoxify mercury. So there are lots of factors that can go into things like Alzheimer's disease, right? And so the, the plaque that the brain develops with Alzheimer's disease is not, it's, it's a protective mechanism is what we're starting to learn and understand, right? It's not, we're not, we don't have Alzheimer's disease because of the plaque. We have the plaque because the, it is protecting, it's tr the body, it's the body's way of trying to protect the brain. And so it just kind of goes haywire, right? A little bit like autoimmune conditions, it's the immune disease which we're learning may or may not be the case at this point, right? Science always changes, evidence always changes, and we're always learning, but autoimmune disease, what we know now is the body's autoimmune, uh, immune system going haywire and attacking its own tissues. I think that there's more to it, and we're learning that, but same with Alzheimer's disease. But there are lots of things that can, that can, that can bring on Alzheimer's disease, and this, this apolipoprotein E, or ApoE for short, is one variant, uh, kind of the main variant that we can look at to give us an indication if, we, if our potential is higher or if our potential is lower. Just because that we have the potential doesn't mean we're gonna get it. And just because we don't have the potential doesn't mean we're not gonna get it. Um, you know, it's lifestyle. So much of it is lifestyle and understanding what it is that we can do to best, to live our life the best we can to mitigate the mitigate diseases like Alzheimer's disease, right? So uh, typical stuff, right? Eating healthy fat, le keeping sugar super, super low. I mean, super low. Um, not eating a bunch of grains and a bunch of gluten and, you know, conventional foods and that kind of thing. All of these things can create problems. So, uh, you know, it, it, it seems it's, it is basic, but it's also very confusing. And I get that because I have clients coming to me all the time they're like, I hear this and I hear that, and then the internet tells me this, and my doctor tells me this, and my friend tells me this, and I don't know who I'm supposed to believe. It is really confusing. But at its core, it's super basic. Eat well, move, sleep well, right? But when things get out of whack, that's when you gotta figure out how to work, how to work on it therapeutically. So, um, kind of back to heavy metals, I got off on a little bit of a tangent, but um, you know, when I run this, this particular uh, panel, that's a, it's called the Total Talks, it's all these bundled together, it gives me an idea of heavy metal burden, but it's not as complete as maybe we want it. But it gives us information, right? Some inf information is better than no information. 
and that's that's why we do this so we can start to gather information and we can look at other places for more information and consider continues but as I keep saying but it's it's just the way that it is we're putting we continue to put pieces of the puzzle together um, and so let's see there's another one that I love this panel I run on every client that I have and nobody really likes it because it's not fun <laughs> but it's amazing the amount of information that we get so uh, I run stool panels on everyone and they are you know people are like it's icky because it is kind of icky but it's life you know and it's the way that it goes and the 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 ingredients of what is excreted for, from us can give us information on inflammation in the gut, on the, uh, the organisms, the microorganisms that are living in the gut. And so these are all, these are, you know, three different types of, essentially, three different types of microorganisms. We're looking at commensal organisms, which are normal and natural to our gut. We're looking at opportunistic organisms, which are normal and natural to the gut, up to a certain point, right? So if we have normal, healthy gut bacteria, we have, um, you know, we have the ability for our healthy bacteria to control the opportunistic bacteria. So if you've heard the term, so for you women and, and men too, uh, yeast infections is candida. Candida is natural to the body. It's natural to the to the vagina. It's a natural. It's it is what it is, right? But it is certainly opportunistic because once it gets out of whack. And we don't, and we start to have what's called dysbiosis, right? So dysbiosis is the the imbalance of our good to our to the other organisms, whether it's opportunistic or pathogenic. So, with that being said, uh, you know, if we have an imbalance, then we can have things like candida that grow that that grows, you know, that overgrows, and then we have yucky symptoms like, you know, discharge and itching and all the yuck, and we got to get it fixed. So what, we, what I want you to keep in mind with that though um, is it's not normal to have these symptoms. It's not normal for them to not go away if you do have them. So if you, if you treat and you keep having them and you treat and you keep having them, there's more going on. Ask why. Usually things like candida and what's called uh, um, SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth is a secondary infection. There's something else going on. If there, for those of you who have dealt with SIBO and are dealing with SIBO, you usually see that you're able to get rid of it and it comes back. And if you get rid of it, it comes back. There's a reason. There's more to the story. So understand what that is. You gotta dig or find somebody who's gonna dig for you because it's not, neither one of them are easy to deal with, but there's usually more to the story. So then moving on to the pathogenic, which usually is what is creating the secondary infection, right? You have these pathogenic bacteria and or parasites and or worms that have the potential of creating, not potential, I mean they usually create a pretty big immune response. The body doesn't want them there. They, they live and they thrive. They also hold on to environmental toxicants, metals, uh, uh, mycotoxins. They hold on to these toxins and they continue to create a toxic burden for the body, right? So you have them, they can be in the GI, they can be outside of the GI. So the interesting thing when we're looking at, um, you know, this particular panel is I have probably seen worms come up 
I think once, and it was a tapeworm, right? And so when I was talking to my rep about it, she's like, she must have had a lot because we don't usually see tapeworms. It's hard to see worms on panels. They are sneaky little creatures. And, um, but I will also tell you that just because they don't come up on a panel doesn't mean you don't have them. And I know this by experience. You can gross out all you want. It's a part of life. Um, we, we have the potential, just like animals do, to have worms. Uh, it doesn't matter how clean you are. It doesn't matter if you travel, if you eat meat, if you're in the yard, if you're in the garden. It just happens. And so, you know, we have stopped eating the foods that we would typically eat that are natural dewormers, right? Wormwood is an amazing dewormer. Um, and, uh, you know, anyway, um, you know, there are, there are certain things that support the body that we just don't eat as much anymore. Um, you know, it's not a dewormer, but dandelion. Dandelion that grows in our yard, it's food. It's uh, the, the root is good for the liver, the stem and the flower and the leaves are great for the kidneys, right? So it's, you know, we have so much at our hands that is free and non-toxic and cleansing and all of these things we should be eating on a regular basis. They're also bitter. Bitter is great for digestion. So, um, you know, pick your dandelions and eat them, right? I can only pick my dandelions in the front yard because I have my dogs in the backyard. <laughs> I don't really need to be eating dandelions in the backyard. But uh, think about that. But if you can pick them and eat them, do it. I mean, they are, they are bitter, but mix them with other foods and they're delicious. Uh, so as well as looking at, you know, your natural microbiome in this panel, um, I wish I had one with me. I, next time we talk about this, I will have it with me so I can just go through it with you. But since this is, we're winging it today, <laughs> that's just kind of the way it goes. We are winging it. Um, and that's, that's, that's life. And, uh, and we will have Dua on again or next time. I would love for her to be on today, but it looks like it just didn't work out. Uh, for those who maybe don't uh, joined late, uh, she's in Mexico. So I know uh, we have had some difficulty in the past connecting just because of, you know, internet issues uh, in Mexico. So I can, I can only assume that that is, uh, has, is, is what's happened today, which means we're talking about labs which I love, not everybody does, but they're super interesting, give us lots and lots and lots of information. Um, and so I, uh, I, I just gonna nerd out a little bit on labs, but they are great because if we're, you know, if we're looking at this stool panel, um, it, we can look at multiple inflammatory markers that are, that are GI inflammatory markers and can give us so much more information, right? It can tell us if there is, uh, you know, if there's uh, a potential toward IBS or IBD, which we usually already know. It's not like it's a big secret if somebody's dealing with GI junk, but it can help us understand, okay, we still need to keep digging a little more. Um, we can look at things to help understand the stress that maybe certain bacteria are having. We can look at uh, understanding if we're, if we're not detoxifying our estrogens properly, right? We can look at, um, it's a very general, marker, but we can look and see if there is the potential for gluten sensitivity. Um, it's not a deep marker. So if it comes back negative, it doesn't necessarily mean it's truly negative. There are lots and lots of components to wheat and gluten containing grains that are not gluten. We can have allergies and sensitivities to non-gluten grains. I see it all the time, but 
um, this this marker tells us if there is if there's potential for it and if it's happening. So, say I had a client this morning who's been dealing oh goodness um, a couple of different uh, pathogenic microbes, right? Uh, and then a lot a lot of dysbiosis, a lot of inflammation. Young young client, a lot of stuff going on. And so when we're looking at these markers, we see that his zonulin is way elevated. Zonulin is a marker that is only that point in time, right? So when we tested that marker, his zonulin was really elevated, which is what pulls gut cells apart. So it's interesting that we can see this. And as I said earlier, the body is super dynamic. So zonulin goes up and it goes down. The problem is when zonulin remains chronically elevated, which means the gut walls, the gut cells stay either broken apart or apart from each other for an extended period of time, what's happening is we have, um, we have microbes, we have food, we have uh, yeast, we have things getting into the bloodstream that are not supposed to be there. And so it creates this massive immune response. And so um, microbes, uh, pathogenic microbes, can release what's called LPS or lipopolysaccharides. And lipopolysaccharides will—they're—they're I mean, just—they're really toxic too. And if they get in the bloodstream, body's body's mad, and it should be mad. So we want to understand if there is, um, if there if there are microbes that are creating these lipopolysaccharides, and if they if we're dealing with a leaky gut issue like I saw this morning. So we don't know that he's chronically elevated. His his zonulin's chronically chronically elevated. I can assume it is mostly because of the, the dysbiosis that he has and the two microbes that are in there, his little body is pissed. Um, and we knew it, right? I mean, all of the symptoms, you could see it, but when we look at what's going on, what we're seeing, um, gluten is not his friend. And I have to keep telling him, we gotta get off the gluten. We gotta stop gluten. And is it forever? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know, right? But at least we need to stop the inflammatory process. We've gotta calm, the body down and we're doing really great things it's been several months now of working going through antimicrobials and he's feeling better and he's sleeping better and all of these great things this is good but there's more to it when we see these inflammatory markers that are crazy high zonulin crazy high this gluten marker crazy high we have to we have to calm them down um, and it is hard for young people to want to give up bread and pasta and tortillas and things like that. It's really hard, but it can make a world of difference and it can make a world of difference for the entirety of your life or their, if you're your child, your child's life. Because, you know, and here's an example. This is a story I've told. I love this story because it, it just, it encapsulates the beauty of food. It encapsulates uh, how how things can go so massively wrong, and how amazing it is to get on top of things early. So, I had a client out of Mexico. So you can imagine what what the diet's like, right? It's a lot of corn tortillas, a lot of beans and rice and dairy and and wheat and, and all of the things. So she came to me. She and her mom did, and she was. Um, the symptoms are lots of mental and emotional symptoms, lots of depression, suicidal, um, anxiety, frustration. She was five, nine and 90 pounds, something like that. It was, it was really hard. She couldn't eat. She couldn't gain weight. She had lots of acne. Uh, she, I don't know if I said this, she was 
18, I believe. So, so interestingly, which I, I love because I tend to, when I'm working with somebody, I, I go through a pretty methodical, strategic way of working with them. And we, we peel the layers of the onion back, right? We don't want to do too much at one time because we want the body to be able to handle it. And we don't want somebody to say, this is too hard on me. I'm going to, you know, I can't do this anymore. That's, that's not good either. But what can often happen, often, sometimes often, but is we get rid of the foods that are interfering, that are creating the problem, it changes your world, right? It literally can be life-changing. So we ran the labs, we looked at our genetics, um, and but in the meantime, which is the way that I always do things, okay, let's get rid of the five big things, right? We're getting rid of gluten, dairy, uh, soy, corn, eggs. So the five things that, that tend to be the most uh, problematic for people as far as allergies, sensitivities, that kind of thing. Got rid of those five things. So in three weeks, give or take, got all of her results back. But in that time, she got rid of all of those things. Her symptoms were gone. It was amazing. It was really, really beautiful. And she was a different little chick. She was putting on weight. Her acne was gone. There was no more depression, no more anxiety, no more. She had, she had said she had um, this inner shaking feeling. That was gone. I can't imagine what that feeling's like. I don't, I don't know, and I don't really want to know. Um, but three weeks of getting on these foods that were so insulting to her little body, and she, she, it changed her world. Now, it doesn't mean we didn't still have work to do, right? So um, when we looked at her genetics, what we saw is she had the potential for celiac disease which is the potential for autoimmune, so it can, be a, it can lead to other autoimmune diseases. Once we have one autoimmune disease, the potential for others are exponential, especially for women because of our hormones, because we get pregnant, because we go into, whether we go into cycling or we go out of cycling, these hormone fluctuations and then the, the hormone fluctuations before, during, after pregnancy, all of these things can, can really trigger the onset of an autoimmune condition. And so my, what we did with her probably, likely, is saved her a lifetime of autoimmune diseases. Just because they jumped on it early, they tried to figure it out, they got rid of the food, they, they stuck to it, we got the information, and we worked on you know, repairing and balancing her body from the bottom up, right? It's root cause, it's foundational. Uh, medicine, I say that because I, I'm not a medical doctor, we all know this, uh, but that's what it is. It's working from the foundation, which is below the root cause. Let's get to the foundation of what is going on and create health from the bottom up. And it is, um, it's magical. It really is magical when we see that, that certain foods just aren't our friend. The best part of this story this, this is not the best part. This is a great part. The best part is she is a different person and she saved herself from a lifetime of struggle. But, um, and this was a couple of years ago, but she, uh, she was in nutrition school. And I love that because it impacted her. And now the beautiful thing about life, which I love, is we go through our hardships, we go through the junk, right? And then what do we do with it? 
we take it and we can share it because we've learned from it and we've grown from it and we have the ability to help others so maybe they don't have to go through the struggle that we went through it's it's this beautiful thing called life i love it i love it so much because the struggles the struggle the struggles that we go through are freaking hard <laughs> and we have to look at them like they're worth something, right? And they're worth, they're really worth everything. They're, they're, it's how we create, how we uh, build character. It's how we develop, it's how we grow, it's how we give, it's how we educate, it's how we learn. Um, the struggle is real and it's hard, but when you come out of it, it's, it's kind of amazing because you are a bigger and a better person for it. As long as you take it as, as that is what it is, it's helping you to grow. Um, and keeping in check the attitude, right? So I'm not here to preach, but you know we can get these negative attitudes when we go through struggles. Let's let's try not to have the negative attitudes when we're going through struggles. Even we're in the middle of it. Sometimes it's going to happen. I've had plenty of them, plenty of struggles and plenty of negative attitudes. But it's the it's the forward thought. What am I learning from this? Where am I going with this? And what is it that I'm going to be able to share and to give and to help others now that I'm not going through it anymore and I can help others to, to save them the time and the effort and the struggle, right? That's, it's, it's really, it's fascinating and it's beautiful. And that's what, that's what um, this girl has done and is doing with her struggles, with her health, um, going to nutrition school and taking that in, in just impacting others. It's, it's, it's really, it's really beautiful. So, sorry, I get excited about that. I will move on to, uh, to other markers, but looking at a GI panel um, can help us to, to understand our mental and emotional health, right? So there are a um, couple of things. There is a study, there's a study done back in the 50s where there was a, a, a schizophrenic hospital who took out all gluten-containing products from uh, all of their patients, right? So these, uh, these patients were constantly having, they were struggling with schizophrenic episodes and so forth. Well, and this is a long time ago. So the forethought to take out gluten-containing products in the 50s to me is just mind-blowing. But um, they did, and the schizophrenic events that these patients were struggling with went, went through the floor, right? They dropped dramatically. And so, you know, the gluten today, the gluten today that we have in our world is very different than the gluten that it used to be. Um, and that's, I'll, you know, I, I've talked about this plenty of times. Um, you can find it on another show, but know that um, gluten can be really, really problematic. It's high in pesticides, it's high in herbicides. Um, it's a problem. So, um, and it was certainly a problem for this client that I was talking about, but um, knowing that it can affect us mentally and emotionally, there are, I think it's like 40 or 45 percent of the patients who deal with celiac disease, they don't present uh, with GI issues. They present with mental and emotional struggles, right? So the food that we eat, even if we think it's good for us, you know, we can have foods that, that we believe are the best foods in the world and may not be good for us at certain periods of time, right? We can have specific infections that that where avocado can just totally set us off. Avocado is one of the most beautiful foods in the world, but for some people, you got to stay off of it for a period of time because it can be problematic. Um, and so, and I say that I want to be careful with that because um, it's not a cure-all to be off of it. 
understand that. So if you're someone who's dealing with SIBO, um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and you're doing what's called low FODMAP, I don't have time to get into this right now, but I wanna, I wanna hit on it for anybody who's watching this because I think it's important. It used to be that we just did low FODMAP and it's a lifelong low FODMAP, that's a problem. Um, low FODMAP is a way to, to mitigate the symptoms that you're dealing with, but it will not eliminate the issue. So when I put people on low FODMAP, it's only because they're struggling and I want to eliminate their system or their symptoms, or at least you know, start to help them to, to deal with the symptoms as we're going in and addressing the issue, whether it's with microbials or we're waiting for, I'm sorry, antimicrobials or we're waiting for labs to come in so we know what the issue is. We need to understand that. But if you've done low FODMAP for an extended period of time, you gotta stop and you gotta dig into why you're still having issues. So really, really take that to heart because low FODMAP, or I'm sorry, high FODMAP foods like avocado, these are, these are micro, microbiome building foods, right? Avocado and now I'm having struggle, I mean, there's a whole list of high FODMAP foods, but a lot of these foods are really healthy foods and we want to eat them. But we don't, any, we want to eat them, but we also want to mitigate disease, so we need to address the problem from the bottom up. So just remember that. I think it's, it's, it's important to remember that, and you know, it's, not, it's not a long-term deal. Lots of diets out there. When, I, when I'm talking about a diet, I'm talking about something that's therapeutic. I hate the word diet. I don't put people on diets. I think diets are problematic. But there are certain times when somebody needs to be keto, right? It's a therapeutic type of diet. There are certain times when somebody needs to be low FODMAP. It's, just, it's a therapeutic type of diet. Maybe even vegan is a certain type of therapeutic diet, but I don't see them as long-term lifestyle uh, types of diets, or I don't see them as a lifestyle. I think that there are too many things that are missing if we do that. So again, it goes back to understanding the body, what we need and why we need it. And we do this through labs a lot of the times. We also do it through history. We do it through understanding um, other factors that come into to lifestyle, relationships. All of these things play a role in our health and in who we are and how we feel, right? If we are in a relationship that is a struggle and that's creating a lot of stress, it very easily can present as a physical condition, as a physical symptom, and so, we have to take into account all of these things, as well as the amazingness of running functional lab testing, because we're putting the pieces of the puzzle together in the labs, and then we're adding more pieces of the puzzle with lifestyle and sleep and stress and history and all these things, and helps us to put a really, really program together that is going to address all the things at least as much as we can to allow for the mitigation of symptoms and the repair of the body so we don't have these diseases we don't have these conditions right diseases are a cluster of symptoms um, and it's the body in dysfunction symptoms are the body talking to us labs are the body talking to us and we have, we have this amazing ability to really dig in and understand the whys and the hows. So even if we don't have all of the answers, we can start to address the stuff at the root cause, right? And 
then the body starts, the body can let, so we, uh, we address microbes, the body can let it go and it can start to do its job. We can address mycotoxins and the body can then let it go and it can start to do its job. We can start to, to eat organic and get rid of pesticides and herbicides and the body can start to do its job. And so it, the more of these burdens that we take off, the less the symptoms are gonna be, the more the body has the ability to do its job properly instead of being maybe overprotective as it is with you know the, the plaques that Alzheimer's can create or the, the protective mechanism that's happening, right? Um, so much of what the body does, it's talking to us and it's protecting us. And we, we need to, I think, I feel like so often we fight the body um, Gary, I see you on there, and I'm thinking about you uh, because so often we can we can if if we stop fighting and struggling with the body and start working with the body and listening and understanding and taking the time to go in um, and taking the time to meditate and you you might have the ability to mentally emotionally allow for the body to do its job. Right, you start to see it. The visualization is what it can do for us is magical. Um, and so, Gary, I hope this is okay. I shoot, I wish I could remember the name of your book. If you have it, put it up in the comments because I would love for people to read your book. Um, Gary Barnes is essentially healed his own disease by meditation. It's a beautiful story. Um, and I think it, it's, a, it's a great story to read. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's not a story, it's a lie, right? But he, he is um, a motivational speaker, all of his, you know, a business coach, all of these things that he does now because he had the ability to take the time to go in and to learn how to repair and to work with his body. It's amazing. It's really, it's, it's, the body is so beautiful and so perfectly put together. I think that's another thing for us to take the time to understand is the perfection that we are. Even if there are things that are going wrong, even if there are problems, the perfection that we are, it's, it's miraculous. I truly believe we're miracles. I believe that, um, that having babies is, mir is a miracle. It's all really, really beautiful and, and it works in, in perfect harmony. It has to all be so perfect in order for it to work. And so, Anyway, I'm digressing a little bit, um, but know that we have we have so much power in what it is that we do to to mitigate and to build health, to mitigate symptoms and to build health, as well as build the health for generations to come. So, of course, this is where I'm going to come in and talk about soulful conception, because preconception planning has the ability to to eliminate like by 80% the negative outcomes that can happen to get pregnant, right? Preconception, during pregnancy, during birth, for that child, and for seven generations is what the data shows. Uh, talk about magical, right? So our health today can impact seven generations, but our health today can also impact the health of the child that you're, you're, you're working toward right now, right? So even if you're two years out, if you're five years out, or if you're like, I want to get pregnant right now, you know, and you know, we want to get pregnant right now, taking the time to plan, taking the time to look at your labs, 
taking the, the time to make sure your markers are in line, your D's in line, your homocysteine's in line, your thyroid's functioning properly. If it's not, why is it not? And allow it and, and, and find out what it is that's creating the problem and support it. It's about support, right? It's not about masking, it's about supporting uh, all of these different functions. It's about um, uh, understanding the, the certain um, drugs and supplements, drugs that can be problematic for getting pregnant and supplements that also can be problematic but also can be helpful. So taking the time to eat well, to, to allow for your own epigenome to, to all be expressing beautifully so as you then start to create this little life, your epigenome is passing on and you're passing on the very best of who you are to your child and to generations to come. It's, it's again, I, I keep saying it, but it's really beautiful, it's magical, it's miraculous. And it's one of those things that, that I love because it's bringing awareness around the power that we have as individuals to create a healthy future. We're sitting here in a shit show, for lack of a better word, of, of health, of fear, of frustration, uh, because we don't, we, there are a lot of answers that we don't have. When, if we take it on to our, ourselves, each of us as individuals and say, okay, I'm gonna do everything that I can to prepare my body for this child you're preparing your body for this child, but you're preparing the, to create health for generations. Literally, you're creating health for generations. So, think about that. Um, thanks for letting me wing it today. Today was pretty much all winging it, and it's all stuff I love to talk about, but uh, we did not have our guest on, who I thought we were gonna have on, but that's okay, we'll have her on next time. Uh, well, it'll probably be in a couple months but we will have her on again. Uh, again, she is uh, out of Mexico and sometimes connection can be difficult uh, when we're trying to do, do shows on Zoom from Mexico or places where you know connections can be a little bit spotty. So um, of course, as always, reach out to me if you have questions, if you have thoughts, if there's anything you'd like for me to talk about or if you have questions that you wanna you know, uh, post in you know, Facebook, Instagram, wherever, please do. Um, I'm here to serve, I'm here to give you whatever I have to, to help you live a bigger life because I, that's what people have done for me, right? Um, we, it's sort of it's what we do for each other. Uh, go to the website, tastelifenutrition.com. You can fill out a free assessment there and I'll reach out to you and we'll chat about it. Um, we'll see if I can help or we'll see if we can find somebody else that can help you. So um, all of the social media, Taste Life Nutrition, if you have questions about soulful conception, soulful conception is purposeful living for a healthy body, healthy pregnancy, and a healthy baby. Um, and then I always throw in there, and healthy future generations. But everybody knows somebody who is thinking about getting pregnant or maybe struggling to get pregnant. Um, and this is a program to help with all of that and to really uh, dig in and empower women and couples to, to understand the, the, the amount of power they have. It's, it's awesome. So anyway, thank you so much. Thanks everybody for joining. I hope that you will see you here next week. Again, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, streaming live, and of course our streaming live here on KUHSDenver.com. And then of course, uh, we're the Taste Life Nutrition Podcast. Find us on Spotify, iTunes. Uh, you can um, 
follow on all of the social media, and of course, uh, you can follow on YouTube and, and all of the fun things. So, hope to see you. Let me know if there's anything that I can do for you. See you next time. Bye.